We have two scriptures this morning, Zechariah and Hosea. Zechariah 10, Hosea 10, <clears throat> that tie in together beautifully, I think, and uh, perhaps we could begin this morning by reading them together. Let's read Zechariah chapter 10. Ask the Lord for rain in the season of the spring rains. The Lord is the one who makes the clouds. He sends the showers and gives everyone green fields. And then Hosea 10. Sow righteousness in yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Now, these two particular passages relate to the harvest season and the rainy seasons in the land of Israel. Israel is not much different than other places around the world that have very warm climates. But the way that it works essentially is that after the harvest has been gathered in late spring, midsummer, there's a period of time, of course, where the ground is plowed back over and begins to harden. But when the fall comes, it's time to prepare for the new harvest. So what is done is in the fall is that the seeds are planted after the ground is tilled, the seeds are planted, and then rain begins to come, but through the late fall, winter months, there's not very much, there's just sprinkles of rain, sporadic showers once in a while, but it's just enough to kind of stimulate those seeds and, and, and create some germination, but, but it's not until the spring comes. It's not until the heavy, consistent spring rains that the, that the growth is actually accelerated to the point where everything grows to its fullness and it's ready for the harvest. Well, God's word to his people was that when it comes time for the spring rains to bring on the harvest, he says, ask God for the rain. In other words, just because it's the season for growth and for harvest, don't assume anything. It is still time to ask the Lord for his help. And of course, it's an agricultural metaphor for a spiritual truth. Hosea kind of shares along the same lines. You may notice that he opens up by saying, he says, sow righteousness for yourselves. And then he says, break up that unplowed ground, and then the Lord will come with his showers to bring his righteousness upon you. So you see that partnership, that in the season when, when the crops are supposed to be growing, in the season that's supposed to accelerate that growth toward the harvest, the Lord says, what I want you to do is I want you to pray. What happens when you pray? When you pray, you begin to focus on the Lord. When you pray, you begin to focus on what he is doing. When you pray, you begin to commune with the Lord and hear his heart. During that time, he begins to tell you some things that he is doing. You get a sense of, of it's a season. The Lord is maybe doing something in particular. That's why we pray, right? Prayer is not meant just to be to make our petitions known only. It's meant to be dialogue. And so when we have that season, when we see that there's, things are starting to move, we set ourselves to prayer to say, Lord, what are you doing? How do I align myself with what you're doing in this season? So I'm not just kind of going about my life, but I recognize something's shifting, something is changing. There's something important going on here that I don't want to miss. And Hosea says, listen, the way that you actually tap into that is that you plow your hearts. You break up that fallow ground, another scripture says, or that ground that's become a little bit hardened. And the way that we do that, he says, is sow righteousness for yourselves. In other words, in that season, you recognize, hey, there's something I need to do. Like I recognize the Lord's doing some things. I hear some testimonies from people around. I see signs of, of the Lord doing something unique. We're in a different season. 
So I recognize if I don't want it to pass by me, then I need to consciously, deliberately say, Lord, what are you calling me to? What's required of me? Or if I could use just kind of a human you know, metaphor expression, you know, how do I get in on this? Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a hunger that says, Lord, don't pass me by. Don't forget me. I want to be part of this. And Hosea says, break up your unplowed ground. Now, unplowed ground, obviously, is soil that's gotten packed down over since the last season. It's soil that needs to be reopened in order to receive new seed, right? Fresh seed, because there's a new crop or a new harvest that's going to come. And so that ground has to be, be tilled again in order to produce a new harvest. Now, what's interesting is sometimes we read that scripture, break up your fallow ground or break up that unplowed ground. And in our natural way of thinking, we almost take it as, you know, God being angry. It's like an indictment. God saying, break up that unplowed ground, you hard hard a bunch of people. You ever kind of read it that way? You know, let's be honest, right? You kind of read it. Yeah, okay, the Lord is, you know, rebuking us, but it's not. It's not an indictment from the Lord for people whose hearts are hard. It's an invitation from the Lord from people who have known harvest in the past, right? I mean, life is a cycle. It's, it's that way in the natural, there's certain seasons. Spiritually, there's certain seasons. There's, there's tides, there's ebb and flows of what God is doing, depending on what happened, what he's speaking to our culture. And so when the Lord talks to us about, you know, uh, getting our hearts on plowed, he's speaking to people who know his presence, or maybe have known his presence in the past, have known maybe special times in the past, but just through life, just through that compact and effect of life, or sometimes things that happen, or just spiritual opposition, sometimes life can get packed down again. And we just feel like, Lord, I just feel dry, I feel barren. And the Lord is saying, it's okay, there's a new season. There's a new season coming, but what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to plow up your heart. What that means, you're going to have to come to the Holy Spirit and submit yourself to the plow. You're going to have to recognize that it is a new season. The Lord is doing some new things. The Lord is even stirring some new desires in your heart. And he doesn't do that to tease you. He does it to awaken you and give you hope. That, that's how he starts it all. He gives you a hope for something more, for something better, right? Or for an answer, as we shared this morning during the worship time. And he says, I'm doing something new, and I want you to get it done. I'm doing something I have new for you, new through you. But it's going to require that you submit your heart to the workings of the Holy Spirit. He says it's a new harvest. It requires new preparation. But you will not allow your heart to be subjected to the plow. Now, if any of us have done any gardening in the Maritimes, you know that when you go to prepare the, the garden for vegetables, flowers, whatever it is you're growing, that in the springtime, late spring, early summer, what happens? You start digging up the ground, and you discover all these rocks. You know I me, mean, did somebody come through the sea, you know, through the winter and plant all these rocks in your garden? I lived in Newfoundland for almost 10 years. That's all we had was rock gardens. I mean, the island is a rock, right? And so you just learn to kind of plant around it. But the reality is, even in the, in the wonderful climate and the soil that we oftentimes have here, what happens through the winter season, those rocks, those hard things, they make their way to the surface. And again, going back to what was ministered a little bit during the worship, it's true in our lives as well. Sometimes we have seasons that seem difficult. They seem hard. And it's not that the Lord has abandoned us. It's not that the Lord has anything against us. What's he doing? He's saying in your growth cycles, I recognize you're at a place now that you can start to deal with this particular thing. 
So I'm going to allow this thing to come to the surface. I'm going to allow this thing to come against you to work something different in your character. It's time now for me to show you something else where you thought, hey, everything was great and I'm perfect. Lord is saying, no, you're doing great. But listen, there's something more that I want to remove. And why do I want to remove that? Because I want to make room for more growth. I want to make room for the roots to go deeper. I want to establish you more in the things of God, the things that I want to do in you, and of course, the things I want to do through you. And so, in each of our lives, there are things that the Lord wants to remove. And friends, it's true of every single one of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, every single one of us in every season have new things the Lord wants to do, new things he wants to teach us if we'll remain childlike in our walk with him. But you see, if you don't recognize those cycles... If you don't willingly allow the Lord to break up those things that have gotten packed down, then the Lord can't remove those things out of our lives that we want gone. I mean, how many times have we in one way or another said, oh, Lord, I wish this would change, or this thing in my life, or marriage, or situation, whatever, you know, and the Lord says, okay, I'm open to that. I'm, I'm stirring that in your heart. But then when the plow approaches, it says, no, no, no. <laughs> Lord, you can come this close, but no closer. And the Lord says, if you don't submit yourself to the plow, if you don't let me open you up, I can't remove those things, and I can't plant new seed. I can't produce a new season in your life. I can't bring you to a place of actual fulfillment. That's why many believers are oftentimes frustrated in their faith, because all around them, they're around Jesus stuff, if I can say that, Jesus things. They're even familiar with the presence of the Lord, and they're even maybe wishing of more things for the Lord but they won't allow the Lord to go inside. They won't allow the Lord to go any deeper and remove the things the Lord wants to remove. Now, breaking up that unplowed ground, the scripture says, involves times of seeking the Lord and times of searching our own heart. That's why Hosea says, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time. Now, we know that we should always have a walk with the Lord. We should always have regular prayer time, quiet time with the Lord, but there's also seasons there's seasons where the Lord says, it's time for something new that I'm doing. It's going to require something a bit more of you. We all have seasons in our life, right? Maybe we're single, maybe we're dating, maybe we're married, then we have a child. There's all these different seasons. And in each of those seasons, it's time for something new. It's time for a new discipline. It's time for other things to fall away, right? Because now I'm giving myself to this in this season. It's the same when I walk with the Lord. And how many of us understand what I'm saying? You've sensed it in your own heart that you're not comparing yourself to anybody else, but in your own heart, the Lord is saying it's time. We're in a season. You're in a season. Now, it's up to you whether or not you want to move in that season, whether or not you want me to do something deeper, whether or not you actually want a living faith. It's totally up to you if you're content to be surrounded by Christian stuff or whether you really want to know Jesus and walk with him. Totally up to you. But it's time. We're in this time. We're in this season right now what the Lord is doing. Hosea says it's time to seek the Lord. Zechariah says in the time of the spring rains, when you start seeing the Lord doing stuff, ask the Lord for rain. And I believe with all my heart that we're in a season of spring rains. I really believe that. I believe that we are moving into a season of what the Bible calls elsewhere of latter rain. We've all heard, even this last month, of some of the unique things the Lord is doing in university campuses. And it's not just limited there. He's doing it in, in, in nations around the world. I read last night in Nicaragua, there was gatherings of hundreds of thousands of people, tens of thousands coming to Christ. Seeing that in different countries, in different continents, in different settings. This last Tuesday, a few of the pastoral staff, we had an opportunity to, uh, to uh, join with uh, 
I guess you'd call it an impromptu uh, prayer gathering for pastors and church leaders around the Maritimes. It was just kind of via text message and just pass it on, whoever wants to come. And it was in Churl, for three or four hours of prayer. And there were about 150 pastors and church leaders from all denominations, different ages, gathered together to pray. And what was so beautiful about it was not only the sense that you knew that the Lord was pleased, Psalm 133, right, how good and precious it is for those who gather together in unity. It's like the oil of, you know, and so on. Um, but, but it was not only beautiful to the Lord, but what was so encouraging to all of us is that even though some of us would have recognized one another or maybe known, you know, people who were given some leadership to it, there were no names, no personalities, no churches, no reputations. It had nothing to do with people. It was just about Jesus. Whatever was done, there was just this sweet sense that we need Jesus. Our churches need Jesus. The Maritimes need Jesus. They don't need celebrities. They don't need another denomination. What do they need? They just need the people of God from every denomination who hear the Spirit of God calling them, and they say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we want to be part of what you are doing. We don't care who gets the credit. We don't care what church is bigger or smaller. It's not about that. It's the presence of Jesus in his people, the presence of Jesus when they gather together so that people can see that there is an answer. There is hope. There is life. There is a future. They can see that in our culture today because hearts are hungry for truth. And we know Jesus is the way and the truth and the light. And it was so precious as we gathered together. And it was just a small sample of what God is doing around the world. And we were so, so encouraged. You see, what we see God doing in the stirring of revival, what we see God doing miraculously in denominational unity, what we see God doing around the world just in global renewal, hear me, friends, this is not of man's making. This is not something man is orchestrating. This is not just some new trend, some new fad, something that some celebrities put together and people are following after. This is entirely of God. It is unique. It is rich. It is beautiful. It's not the first time. The Lord has done it many times down through the ages and around the world. But again, we're in that same kind of season. I mean, in some places you're seeing a sovereign move of repentance. In other places you're seeing a season of evangelism. You're seeing conversions, believers being activated, ministering in the streets, wherever it may be. Other places you're seeing signs and wonders. But in all of these things, what is common, I believe, is that God is calling his people to personal renewal. A personal renewal. And if we will open ourselves to that, God will be able to do what he's longing to do and what he has set himself to do. But it begins with renewal. And renewal, I believe, is done in many ways, but there are two ways spoken of here through Isaiah, Hosea, rather, and Zechariah. And the first, very simply, is the preparation of the heart. The preparation of the heart. Break up your unplowed ground. How many believe it's time to do that? Right? It's time to do that. We're in that season. We almost have to be spiritually deaf to not sense that God is calling all of us to that. You say, well, how in the world do I do that? You just ask the Lord to show you what he wants you to do. That's all you do. It's not a matter of beating up on yourself. It's just a matter of honestly coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, is there any area in my walk with you where my, my spirits kind of get packed down again? 
Is there any area where I've lost that responsiveness? Is there any area that's unbelieving? Is there any area that's just kind of gotten hard? And again, we're not beating ourselves. It's not about self-condemnation. It's just coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't want that if it's true. And if you know there's certain areas, what do you do? You just confess your faults. Confess your sin to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Would you just restore to me that responsiveness of heart, that, that heart of flesh, that tenderness? Would you, would you just restore to me that, that, that desire once again to be, just be about doing the Father's business? Just as I walk through my day, just being aware of your presence, just wanting to be used by you, wanting to touch lives around me. Would you just, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation, that freshness of faith? It's just that practical. Now, there's nothing wrong between you and the Lord. That's fine. You don't have to confess any sin. But then just come to him and say, Lord, I don't want to miss what you're doing. I don't want to miss what you're doing, Lord. So whatever it is you want to refresh in me, whatever it is you want to show me, I just open my heart to that because I want to be fruitful in this season. I want to get in on it. And so we need to prepare our heart. And the second thing, very simply, is prayer with passion. Prayer with passion. You see, for Israel in their day, and it's, it's easy for us to forget because we just go to the store and buy our groceries. But in that agricultural society they lived in, if they didn't get a harvest, they were in trouble. There wasn't a grocery store to go to. You didn't go next door. I mean, if there was no harvest in your nation, probably not either in the region, I mean, you would not have food. You may have some things left over from the previous year. I'm not too sure exactly how they did it in those days. Maybe you had, you know, scraps. You had a few samplings. But you would not be nourished like you need to be. And, you know, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but as I was reading that scripture, meditating, I thought, Lord, you know, it just feels like the Western church at least, we've, we've been in a season of starvation and not even realizing it. You know, we, we've been in a season or a generation of, we've really just kind of had the semblance of, of what you intend for us because we're so full of things in the world. We've so satisfied or, or tried to with other things, but we've really only taken scraps from your table. And you're beginning to wake up a generation again. You begin to wake up the church again to make us realize, Lord, as the song says, that, that the Lord has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. And he invites his chosen people, come and dine, come and feast, come and delight in fair, as the scripture says, it uses that word, to delight in the, the preparations the Lord has. You can't imagine how, how satisfying it is, how nutritious it is, how, how glorious it is. And the Lord is calling us away from just the stuff. I mean, the word itself just sounds empty, doesn't it? Just stuff. You know, we just fill our lives with stuff. We fill our time. We fill our, our mind, our schedule, our energies, our focus with, with stuff. And you might feel stuffed, but you don't feel nourished. And the Lord says there's a nourishment. There's a fulfillment. There's a, a fruitfulness and a productivity that I've created you for that you've yet to even taste of. Oh, if you would just taste and see how good God is. If you would just taste and see how glorious and fulfilling it is to share the goodness of God with others, to be used of the Lord, to be used of the Spirit, right? To not just believe in God, but to be sons and daughters of God who walk with God, who communicate God to the people around us who so desperately need to see him. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he says, there's, you know, you need to pray in that season of the rain. And when you realize that if we don't get food, we're going to starve, there's a whole lot of motivation to pray in the season when there's supposed to be a harvest coming down the road. And you can be sure that that prayer had passion built into it. 
And friends, if there's anything I want to be sure of today, it's that the rain doesn't pass me by. I don't want it to pass me by. I'm 62 years old. I know I've got one foot in the grave. I understand that I'm half dead. I'm a couple years from retirement. But I got to tell you, friends, whether I'm pastoring, whether I'm retired, whether I'm sitting in the pew with you folks in a few years and somebody else is here, I don't want to miss what God is doing. I don't want to check out. I don't want to say, been there, done that. I don't want to say, well, this is for the next generation. No, as long as I breathe, Lord, I want to be in on what you are doing. I want you to do it through me. I want you to grow me. I want you to stretch me. You see, because in God's eyes, I'm just his son. I'm not 62 years old. I'm just his son. Bernice, she's not 63 years old. He's just, she's just his daughter. Oh, 61. Sorry, I forgot I'm older. The Lord doesn't see that stuff. Doesn't see that stuff. Remember the old preachers of old, they say, I'd rather burn out than rust out. You know what I mean? Yeah, take care of yourself. But friends, in the kingdom of God, there's no freedom 55. In the kingdom of God, you don't check out. As long as you're drawing breath, the Lord will have a new season for you. He will have something for you to do as we see in his word. In Psalm 27, we read the reward of those who seek the Lord and what he'll do for those who wait on him. I love this psalm. David says, the Lord is my light and he's my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then David talks a little bit about those who come against him. In verse 2 he says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. Now David wasn't confident in just some cliches or godly platitudes. David was confident in his God whom he knew because he cultivated a relationship with him every day. That's why he said what he said. What David, are you confident in? Read with me in verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I what? Seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And David wasn't talking about a building. David was talking about a life of worship. David was talking about an awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life every moment of every day. And he goes on to say, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5 and 6, will you read it with me? For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Let's read verse 7 and 8. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. That was the heart of David. And that's why under his reign, Israel never knew such freedom, such broad boundaries in the land than under the reign of a man who knew God and sought God and loved God. You see, when you had enemies showing up, as I said in the first service, it wasn't like today where someone just stands up and says, oh, the devil was at me all week. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't, right? But it wasn't do or die. 
We make it sound that way, but it wasn't. In David's case, when the enemy surrounded you, it was do or die. If you didn't win that battle, you were dead. You were obliterated, annihilated. You were taken off into slavery. That was the full weight of it. And yet in the midst of that, David said, I will not fear. I will not fear because I know my God. I know his covenant to us. I know his promises to me. I know he will protect us because he has a destiny for us. And friends, that has to grip our heart again. As the people of God in these days in which we live, those who know their God will be strong and do great things. They will not be afraid. They will be full of joy. Why? Because they know they are people of destiny. They know their identity. They know when the enemy comes against them. And it's not just a cliche. We say many times, but it's the word of God. Greater is he who is in me than he who comes against me. Now, if that's just a cliche, it's not going to work. But the people who know their God can say, he who is in me, who I know who is in me, who I walk with and talk with and worship, and I know his presence, and I know his word, despite what the enemy says, let every man be a liar. God is true. He will do what he says he will do. But that's for the people who know their God. That's for the people in the season who wait upon the Lord. Hosea says, it's time to seek the Lord. And friends, in this day, in 2023, the response of the people of God needs to be, Lord, I hear you saying, seek my face. And my heart will not say when I get around to it. My heart says, yes, Lord, your face I will seek. Yes, Lord, I'll set the clock for early tomorrow morning. Yes, Lord, I'll turn off the TV and get away with you in my room for an hour. Yes, Lord, when you say, seek my face. Why? Because there's ministry all around us that the Lord wants us to use us in, that he wants us to see a harvest in our lives. He wants us to experience fruitfulness. He wants us to know the joy of seeing lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through little old me. And the way that happens out there is I get along with the Lord and I seek his face. And I get to know him and I hear his voice and I hear his truth. He says in the time of trouble, verse 5, God calls us to worship. And the time of the latter rain in scripture is never a time without trouble. It is never a time without difficulty. It is never a time without opposition and without enemies. There is always resistance. In fact, when you read the announcement of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, which, by the way, you read Acts chapter 2, the words of Peter, he's talking with the church today. He's talking with the church age, which is from the moment that it was born to the time that Jesus comes. We are in these words that Peter is speaking about. And he says this, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in those days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on your young on your 62-year-olds, on your 90-year-olds, on who? Wherever I am welcome, I will pour out my spirit. This outpouring is referred to as the latter rain elsewhere in Scripture. And the blessing of this outpouring, he says in verse 17, will you read it with me if it's there? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's the promise of God. That's the ministry of God through his people. And I said in the first service, and I mean it in all kindness, my friends, but listen, if we are Pentecostal people, I mean by experience, I could care less about the name, but if we're Pentecostal people by experience, we've got to get over getting nervous about the Holy Spirit. 
We've got to get over being nervous about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I know people that have been in Pentecost for years. And yet you talk about prophecy? Whoa, what are you talking about? You're getting kind of out there, aren't you? No, it happens to me in my Bible. I think it ought to be in your Bible too. In the last day, they will prophesy. I want to see our young people prophesying. I want to see our children prophesying, our young adults. I want to see people who will rise up and say, Pastor, you're not going to believe this, but last night God gave me a vision. God gave me a dream. I'm 85 years old, sitting in my rocking chair. Don't mean to, you know, generalize, but I'm, you know, or let's just say I'm sitting, I'm sitting at the gym, okay? 85 years old. God gave me a vision. No, you're not crazy. It's right here. We're in the last days. It's going to happen. In fact, I want to encourage you, my friends, to read the Word of God and get out ahead of it and say, Lord, your Word says, but I'm not seeing it. Let it happen in me. Let it happen to me. I know dear friends in ministry, and they will teach this. They will try to teach, you know, how to interpret dreams. And I understand we can get crazy and stuff. I understand that. But listen, if God speaks to his people through his word, through dreams, there ought to be something that says, Lord, when I go to bed at night, if you want to speak to me in the quiet of the night in my heart, Lord, help me to be sensitive to what you're saying to me. Help my heart to be open if you want to speak to me through dreams. Why? Because it's biblical, Right? Lord, I want a, a word of knowledge. I want a word of prophecy. Lord, these things that you say ought to be manifest when your people come together or when we're in the marketplace. Why? Because we want God to reveal himself to people. We want people to know that our God is real. I digress. Okay. Did I read the rest of these verses? Oh, I did. Okay, I just went the wrong way. There you go. Swish. Last page. I'm just warning the worship team. When Jesus talks about the signs that are leading to his coming. He includes a church that is moving in tremendous purity, tremendous power, tremendous grace. But hear me, friends. At the same time that there is an explosion of evil and of darkness and of perversity, it is in such times the Lord tells us to seek him. Why? Verse 4 of Psalm 27, that we may behold the beauty of the Lord. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, he says that we behold that beauty of the Lord. What happens to us? We are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. That's who he wants us to be. That's what he wants to do within us. And I understand, friends, and I'll be the first one to stand there and say, listen, there are things in our culture where we need to step up. Whether it's the political system, whether it's in our schools, wherever it may be, we need to step up and do what it is that we can do while we can to protect our culture, to protect our children. There's a lot of terrible stuff going on today. But hear my heart. Along with doing that, that's not the only answer. We must do that. But we've got to do more than just criticize and condemn a culture that doesn't know God's love. Our culture doesn't need any more condemnation heaped upon it. It's already got enough to deal with. We all see the sewer, the cesspool that is flowing through our communities, flowing into our schools. We all see that. We see the perversity. We see the evil. We see the darkness. But friends, hear me. God is doing a work in this day through his people. God is bringing people out of the sewer and into his stream where he is washing them and restoring them and saving them. God is at work. And where sin abounds... 
Grace does much more abound, but it doesn't abound just by itself. It abounds where the people of God are saying, Lord, we see the evil, we see the sewer, but Lord, we know our community, they haven't seen Jesus yet. They haven't seen the real thing yet. They haven't been touched by your presence, by your love, by your purity. They want their lives to work like we do. They want their kids' lives to work just like we do. They're not bad people. They're just lost in darkness. And they're not going to see the light unless we show them the light. Unless we are people who say, Lord, first of all, start on me. That's why the scripture says, right, we know it very well. If my people will humble themselves... If my people will get separate from the world and stop entertaining themselves with the junk in the world, if they will get away from that stuff and repent of their sin, then I will move in their heart. And what will I do? When I get my people straightened up, I'll heal the land. Because the powers of darkness are no contest for the power of God and of the Holy Spirit. But it's got to start in my people. It's got to start here. They've got to open up their heart and recognize we are in a season, and it's not just going to happen by itself. Jesus is looking for people who will say, Lord, shine on me. Shine through me. He's pouring his spirit out upon a church to make a people of light in a world of darkness. You know why? Because that's what people need to see. That's all it is. People who don't know Jesus just need to see Jesus, to know what he's like and to desire him. Zechariah said, ask the Lord for rain in the season of the spring rains. How many believe we're in that season? It's time to ask. Hosea says, break up your unplowed ground because it's time to seek the Lord. How long? Until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Don't wait for it to happen in the church. I thank God for what we see, right? But he says, you Begin to sow up, sow righteousness in your heart, and the Lord will bring righteousness to you. If you're hungry, I'll fill you, right? If you're open, I will fill you. I'll do work in your heart. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. You be the catalyst for what I want to do. Don't wait and then jump on the train. So many believers in the Western world are that way. It's that mindset. Oh, we believe in revival, and when it comes, I'll get serious. No, when it comes, you'll probably resist it or probably miss it altogether because your heart's not interested. Get in on the ground floor. Get in when God is stirring. Get in while the door is still open, while the invitation to the wedding feast is still open. Get in. Get in. And you won't miss what God is doing. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your, your face, Lord, I will seek. David finished his psalm, and I'm done with this scripture. In verse 13 and 14, oh, when I read this, I thought, Lord, that's us today. He said, I would have lost heart. How many can honestly say, when, if I just watch the news, man, it's easy to lose heart. When I just see some of the stuff that's going on, it is easy to lose heart. And David says, I'm the same way I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart if I didn't know my God, but I know my God. I would have lost heart with the evil and the darkness and the corruption in our community if I didn't know what it was to be in the presence of God and know he's alive and he's mighty and he's powerful and he's pure and there's nothing that our God can't do. I would have lost heart, but I don't lose heart because I know my God. And that's all God's looking for in this church today. Don't lose heart. Don't believe the news. Don't repeat the news. You've got a different word. You speak life. Yeah, we recognize stuff. We don't turn a blind eye. But you know what? That's not the final word. 
Our God has the final word if his people will recognize the cycles, recognize the season we're in, and saying, Lord, it looks bad, but Lord, you're doing something. You're stirring something. Things are happening wherever people give themselves to you. And I wouldn't be in on that. He says, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Friends, I want to encourage you. God promises that you're going to see him do good things in your life right now, right where you are. But we have to remember this. Nothing of God's plan, nothing of God's promises just fall out of the sky. doesn't work that way. You can have a word spoken over you, and you can say, yeah, I believe that's from God. But it doesn't automatically happen. You see, that word to you should cause you to say, yes, I believe that. Okay, what's in the way? That's got to go. That's got to go. That's got to be turned off. That's got to be stopped. No, no. I want that word. That word is life. I believe it. Lord, I will set myself to you that your word may come to pass. That's what God will do. God speaks words to us. God stirs our hearts. But it, says it doesn't just automatically happen. You know why? Because it can happen while you still hold on to this stuff. I can't take you any deeper when you've still got the stones in the way. Open your heart. I want to remove the stones, and I promise you, I will plant new seed, new dreams, new hope, new gifts. I will go deeper than you were ever last season. You're going to see things you haven't seen before in your life. You're going to see the Lord free things. But all those good things come, not just to those who wait. All good things come to those who wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You ready to wait on the Lord for a few moments? Can we stand together? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come if you would. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to come. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to minister to you. That you can leave this place knowing that a shadow of a doubt that you're a child of God. If you're here this morning and you have a pain, there's something in your body we can pray for, we believe in healing, whatever we can agree with you, you feel free to come. We want to minister to you this morning. But as the ministry team is singing this morning, would you... Just get serious for a few moments with the Lord and say, Lord, I submit myself to the plow. Holy Spirit, I just ask you as I open my heart, I invite you to come and to take those stones. Most of us know what those things are already. And the Lord says, let me take those things away. Lord, I don't want to miss what you're doing in this day. Lord, I want to be a light to those around me. I could just tell you a story quick. It came to my mind. I was talking to my brother-in-law, a guy, just last night, day before, I think. And he was talking about how just this past summer in Newfoundland, they have a cottage there where they live on the lake. And he said, a few cottages down, there's a guy that once in a while I'll see, we'll chat, casual conversation, but big guy, like six foot four, I think he said, just a big guy, life all working great, good money, all that kind of stuff. And, and guy's a Christian. He's saying, Lord, I, just, I feel like I should talk to him sometime, but man, the guy's got it all together. Like, you know. That sounds so dorky. That's Greek. And, uh, but he just worked up the courage one day. He just said, I'm going to take a little boat ride down. He did, got on the wharf. The guy was out there working and just started a conversation. And just out of the blue, this big strapping guy says to my brother-in-law, only had a couple conversations with him. He knew he was a Christian. He says, guy, what's happening in the world? He has no context, no gospel, doesn't know. He just... His heart's just filled with fear. You think on the outside, I got it all together. The guy said, I was just blown away. I was just reminded how fearful people are, how lost people are, how broken people are, regardless of the facade. 
He said, guy, what's going on? What's going on? I had a chance to just open up and share everything with him, but it was a real reminder to guy, don't go by the facade. People today are searching, searching, no hope. What's the answer? And what does the Lord say the answer is? When my people get alone with me, and they begin to show the beauty of the Lord and who he is and all that he brings. They say, I want that too. I want him too. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.